Monthly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 95 of the Weekly List Podcast, which accompanies week 178 on the Weekly List website, theweeklylist.org, and corresponds to the week ended April 11th, 2020. Welcome! Folks, the picture this week is American bodies being buried in Hart Island as New York City has been overrun with deaths, having trouble handling all the dead bodies. Our country this week added 12,000 dead Americans in one week. I wish I could say I saw an end in sight. I do not. Although we start to see some of the earlier states who have been fighting this pandemic for longer and have been therefore home and taking steps to affirmatively stop the outbreak, um, starting to see flattening like New York, like Washington, uh, like California. Um, You see other states just starting. I'm very concerned for Florida, very concerned for what's happening in Philadelphia. Concerned for, we're going to talk about what's happening in rural counties. Now we have two-thirds of those counties have at least one case. And those counties are often left without much medical care in the area. Uh, Many of the hospitals in in rural areas are closed. So I continue to be concerned about how widely this is going to impact America. I think there's been a little bit of a misnomer that this was a New York The way the media portrayed it initially, it was a New York West Coast issue. New York this week ebbed as a percentage of our total cases while our total cases rose. This has become much more of a national problem as New York starts to what we call flatten, which means they're adding fewer cases each day as opposed to more cases each day. So while this is happening, while 12,000 Americans are dying and the U.S. not only became the country with a factor of three with the most cases in the world, uh, bodies are piling up. Trump was obstinate and refused to change his approach, which basically continues to be him tweeting grievances and then holding what I would call campaign rallies masquerading as daily press briefings, some lasting hours long. It became clear this week that neither Trump nor our federal government would have a plan or much of a role to play in stopping the global, uh, the growing outbreak, unthinkable in the history of our country. Instead, states were left to fend for themselves and Americans learned to count on one another and to stay home. Trump's short-lived bump in the polls that we talked about is gone. This week, Trump pushed an unproven drug, hydrocroxyquin, as his game changer. It was amplified by Fox News. And those of you who have been alive long enough and were watching Fox News back in the era of Roger Ailes, they picked up his playbook of casting Trump as the hero and medical experts and Democrats as the villains as Trump promotes this drug that doesn't have FBA approval. And we're going to talk about some of the side effects of it as well this week. But what's become imminently clear uh, is Trump is not going to do anything in this national crisis. He's going to blame. He's going to tweet. He's going to hold what appears to be campaign rallies. But there's no action happening from our government. 
our federal government. Everything has been left to the states. It's unfathomable to me as Americans are dying. But he seems to be getting away with it. There's nobody putting any check on his power. Uh, all that's left is an election in six and a half months. And we do have a candidate now. And if you're a Democrat, Bernie Sanders suspended his campaign. So the candidate for us will be Joe Biden. Uh, and, and this is an election, folks, not even about policy. This is a, an election. I would summarize it as a good, decent man who has a heart and empathy against a man who has shown himself to not be able to sh show any level of empathy for Americans dying. I mean, you can see Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, when he holds his daily briefings, you can see the suffering in his face that New Yorkers are dying. There's been a lot of comparisons to 9-11, and we would never see something like this in New York again. You can see the suffering in his face. Trump has none. It's, yeah, again, one of the things I wish I had before all this started was a degree in psychology that and a law degree. Uh, Trump doesn't care. And it's very hard, I think, for those of us to put into context as Americans are dying that somebody doesn't really value those lives or care. Uh, there was a good piece this week talking about grieving and how many Americans are grieving and we just don't know it just because this podcast is a historical document. What it's like right now, you refresh your, your feed on Twitter or on Facebook especially, which Facebook tends to be much more of a place where people share personal news. And you see people that have lost loved ones to this disease or people that have the disease and are concerned that they are going to die. And this is a lonely disease. People who have it are dying alone. People that don't have it are, are in solitary confinement, basically, a lot of people. And, and there's a lot of concern for mental health as well, for people that have been alone. Depending on your state where you live in New York, we've been under official quarantine for four weeks. Other places less so, other places more so, longer. So it's a troubling time, uh, and we are living history. I, I Remember reading a book by Anita Diamond, which I highly recommend, called The Boston Girl, and reading a chapter about the 1918 flu and how that impacted them and how it changed their perspective on life. We're living through that. And the flu, the mortality rate for the 1918 flu was 2.5%. As we've headed towards the end of our week now, we're up to 3.9%. So Americans are dying at a startling clip. I'm going to get into the list. It's as you would expect long and more important than ever because I guarantee you Trump will try to rewrite this history uh, and as will the Republicans. But it's all written down here and people ask me on Twitter, how long has coronavirus been in the list? Well, it appears in January. It appears when Wilbur Ross was gloating on CNBC that this was going to be a big help for the U.S. economy over China. It appears steadily through January, more so in February, when Trump six weeks ago said 15 cases going to zero after we already had our first death. Uh, and it continued. Uh, so now we're, we're going to talk about what's happening this week on Wednesday. Just to put numbers into perspective, 
CNN reported 41% of Americans say the federal government is doing a good job of preventing the coronavirus spread. 55% say a poor job. Last week, 48% had said a good job and 47% a poor job. So that is a swing of 16 points in a week. The poll also found 52% disapprove of the way Trump is handling the coronavirus, 45% approve, although his approval was little changed at 44% approve. Remember we talked about last week how typically in a time of crisis, presidential presidents will see a huge bump in their approval rating. George W. Bush went up 35 points. Trump went up a few points and it seems to have been short-lived. On Saturday, the New York Times reported that since China disclosed the coronavirus outbreak on New Year's Eve, more than 430,000 have arrived in the U.S. on direct flights from China, including flights last week. Nearly 40,000 have traveled in the two months since Trump imposed restrictions on travel on February 2nd on 279 direct flights from China. Screening procedures have been uneven, according to interviews. Trump has repeatedly bragged his travel measures impeded the spread of the disease, saying something like, quote, that was probably the biggest decision we made so far. Direct flights last week from China landed in New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. On Saturday, the Washington Post reported Trump picked White House lawyer Brian Miller as coronavirus inspector general for a $500 billion rescue fund for industry. Miller defended Trump during the impeachment proceedings. Miller served for five, nine years excuse me, as the IG for General Services Administration, the GSA, but he was viewed by Democrats as a loyalist to Trump. Senator Richard Blumenthal likened it to putting a, quote, fox in charge of the henhouse. On Saturday at the Daily Task Force briefing, Trump gave a rambling, incoherent speech offering no specifics, but rather aired a variety of grievances. Trump warned the coming week will be, quote, one of the toughest. Trump said, quote, there's going to be a lot of death. Unfortunately, there will be a lot of death. So far, 7,100 Americans had died, 278,000 cases. Dr. Deborah Burks said Detroit, Louisiana, and New York were the hotspots. Trump reversed himself again, saying, quote, the cure could not be worse than the virus, adding, quote, at a certain point, some hard decisions are going to have to be made regarding social distancing guidelines currently in place. Trump added, I want fans back in arenas. They want to see basketball and baseball and football and hockey. They want to see their sports. They want to go out on golf courses and breathe nice, clean, beautiful, fresh air. Trump said millions of doses of hydrocroxylene were being placed in the federal stockpile, even though it was not a, the drug has not been approved by the FDA, and urged patients to take it, saying, quote, what do you have to lose? Trump added, I really think they should take it, but it's their choice, and it's their doctor's choice or doctors in the hospital. Try it if you'd like. Adding, quote, if this drug works, it will not it will be not a game changer because that's not a nice enough term. Trump also said he had spoken to Prime Minister Narendra Modi of India about procuring millions more doses of hydrocroxylene from that country. India is the world's main supplier of generic drugs. Dr. Anthony Fauci looked on but did not speak. Trump also suggested 
ezromotzine, known as a Z-Pak, saying, quote, that's an antibiotic, but it can clean out the lung. The lungs are the point of attack for this horrible virus. Trump the doctor. Trump added, quote, we're coming to a time that's going to be very horrendous, probably a time like we haven't seen in this country. Adding, quote, we're getting to that point where it's going to be some really bad numbers. Fauci said there were signs social distancing was working. Trump added, quote, but again, we're not going to destroy our country, saying we have to make a, quote, decision to make about the, quote, cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. On Sunday, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp faced criticism for reopening beaches a day after issuing a stay-at-home order. Savannah Mayor Van Johnson told NBC News Kemp was closing schools while opening beaches. On Sunday, Fauci told NBC News on the coronavirus, excuse me, Face the Nation on the coronavirus, quote, I will not say we have it under control. We are struggling to get it under control, but added mitigation efforts are showing some success in places like New York. On Sunday, Surgeon General Jerome Adams told Meet the Press that, quote, the next week is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment, adding, quote, it's going to be the hardest moment for many Americans in their entire lives. So just some context here, backing up from the propaganda that we're seeing from a lot of members of the Trump regime. Trump had no idea what was happening, nor does he, and seems to have grasped on starting last week with this 100,000 to 200,000 would be a big victory if that many Americans died. During this week, the projections for deaths was lowered, uh, but you can see how they're just trying to manage the narrative. As Americans are dying, 2,000 Americans are dying a day this week. And what they're trying to do is manage the narrative to have you think it's going to be incredibly bad. And then when 2,000 people die, all of whom are you know, have their own families, have their loved ones, uh, are dying alone of this horrible disease, they can claim it as some sort of victory. So that's what he told uh, Meet the Press. He also went on Fox News Sunday. This is our Surgeon General and said this week will again be the hardest and saddest week of most American lives. Sounds like something Trump said the day before. And he added, quote, this is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment again, our 9-11 moment happening all over the country. While not calling for a national shutdown, our Surgeon General asked holdout governors at least give us a week of restrictions. On Sunday, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker told State of the Union, if Trump, quote, had started in February building ventilators, getting ready, we would not have the problem we have, and quote, very many fewer people would die. Pritzker said, we, quote, now know that intelligence sources and all the best advice that was given in January and early February, but Trump and the White House did not act, adding Trump should have invoked the DPA. On Sunday, the New York Times reported the official count of death understates a coronavirus death toll due to inconsistent protocols, limited testing resources, and a patchwork of decision-making. I have seen plenty of this in real life, folks. I know people, New York, I live in New York. We've been hard hit. We're the first state to be really hard hit. Um, I have friends of friends who have lost family members, older family members, who have not been tested postominously and who had the symptoms, but therefore will not be assigned as a death for coronavirus. So there's reporting this week. We're going to talk about a couple of stories that basically say we are undercounting the number of deaths in the United States. So here's the New York Times as the first piece we're going to talk about. Patients who died at home often are not tested. 
and between states protocols for testing at funeral homes and availability of tests factor in. One home said three patients who tested positive, only one death certificate listed coronavirus. Hospital officials say early in the outbreak, testing was not available for patients with flu-like symptoms. Experts who study mortality said it might take scientists months to calculate the number of mortalities. On Sunday, Defense Secretary Mark Esper told this week the military will use face masks, saying he voiced he also voiced support of Navy Secretary Thomas Modley, saying he made a, quote, tough call, but he, quote, has faith and confidence in him. Asked if the Pentagon received an intelligence assessment of COVID-19 from China last November from the National Center for Medical Intelligence, Esper said, I don't recall. On Sunday, and stick with that story, we're going to hear more about that story, November, November 2019. On Sunday, Michael Atkinson said in a statement, that's the inspector general who was fired by Trump last Friday night, that Trump's, quote, loss of confidence in me derives from my having faithfully discharged my legal obligations as an independent and impartial inspector general. On Sunday, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson was taken to the hospital on doctor's advice after experiencing persistent coronavirus symptoms still 10 days after testing positive. On Sunday at the daily press briefing, Trump again promoted hydrocroxylene, repeatedly asking, quote, what do you have to lose? And adding, quote, I'm not a doctor, but I have common sense. Trump added, quote, we have no time for lengthy studies and, quote, if it does work, it would be a shame if we didn't do it early. Adding, quote, people may need a doctor's approval, but personally, I've seen things that I sort of like. Remember we talked a couple of weeks ago about a couple in Arizona taking a version of what they thought this was and the husband dying. Anyway, this is what Trump is promoting for the first two days of this week. A reporter asked Fauci for his opinion on the drug asking, what is the medical evidence? Fauci opened his mouth to answer, but Trump cut in, saying, quote, don't you know how many times he's answered that question? Trump also fired back at Governor Pritzker, saying he is, quote, complaining all the time, and, quote, he's not able to do what he's supposed to be able to do as governor. He has not performed well. On Sunday, the American Medical Association president, Patrice Harris, told CNN, she would not prescribe the drug hydrocroxylene if she was a coronavirus if she had a coronavirus patient citing the drug's well-known side effects can cause fatal heart attacks harris added quote you could lose your life adding quote it's unproven and so certainly there are some limited studies as dr fauci said but at this point we just don't have the data to suggest that we should be using this again that's the american medical association On Sunday, the Washington Post reported Rudy Giuliani is promoting the use of hydrocroxylene to Trump. He told the Post he now spends his day speaking to doctors, patients, and hospital executives promoting it too. Giuliani is one of several Trump allies who downplayed the severity of COVID-19 and now are embracing cures, worrying health experts. Last week, he was locked out of Twitter for promoting disinformation on the drug. That's Rudy Giuliani. On Sunday, Axios reported that the coronavirus task force had its biggest fight yet on Saturday in a blow up between economic advisor Peter Navarro and Fauci. 
over the efficacy of this hydrocroxylene. And again, Peter Navarro is an economist, not a very good one, kind of a laughingstock of economists. And he is lecturing a world-renowned specialist on infectious disease. Navarro had a stack of folders and dropped them on the table, saying studies overseas show, quote, clear therapeutic efficacy. Fauci said there was only anecdotal evidence and studies in France and China were inadequate. An animated Navarro said, quote, that's science, not anecdote. In addition to Navarro, Giuliani and Fox News host Sean Hannity are also pushing the drug. Most task task force members are pushing caution. On Sunday, Boston Mayor Marty Walsh issued a 9 p.m. curfew for residents and urged them to wear masks. The city also closed all recreational sports, including tennis and basketball courts. On Sunday, the Bronx Zoo said Nadia, a four-year-old female Malaysian tiger, tested positive for the coronavirus. She, her sister, two Anmer tigers, and three African lions developed dry coughs and were expected to recover. She caught it from her human that was in, that was shedding the virus, apparently. Later Sunday, Trump called in to Sean Hannity's show Sunday night, saying he would, quote, love to open the country and we might, quote, open up sections and also look at the concept where you open up everything. Trump added, quote, I think New York is getting ready, if not already, but getting ready to peak. And once it peaks, it will start coming down and it's going to come down fast. Again, there's no evidence of that. On Monday, the number of global deaths topped 70,000. The virus had spread to 183 countries and regions with 1.3 million cases. The U.S. had the most confirmed cases with 338,000. On Monday, the U.S. surpassed 10,000 deaths, standing at 10,530, of which 4,758 were in New York. The U.S. was roughly one in eight of all deaths worldwide. In New York City, there were 67,000 cases and 3,000 deaths. On Monday, Dr. Craig Smith, surgeon in surgeon in chief of New York Presbyterian Hospital, said, quote, the steadily positive slope we're watched for a month is grinding and relentless, adding, quote, this is our Fallujah. On Monday, assistant Secretary for Health and Human Services Brett Grior told today that Americans should limit their visits to grocery stores and if they go to wear a mask. On Monday, Larry Kudlow, director of the National Economic Council, told CNBC, quote, no one could have predicted the exponential rise of this. The statement is obviously false. (laughs) On Monday, the New York Times reported Navarro starkly warned the Trump regime in a January 29 memo that the coronavirus could cost the U.S. $6 trillion and put and put a possible death toll at half a million Americans. The memo is the highest level alert known to have circulated inside the West Wing. It warned, quote, the lack of immune protection or an existing cure or vaccine would leave Americans defenseless in a full-blown outbreak. A second memo by Navarro on February 23rd, which was addressed to Trump directly through the Office of National Security Council, warned, quote, there's an increasing probability of a full-blown COVID-19 pandemic. The memo added the virus, quote, could infect as many as 100 million Americans with a loss of life of as many as 1 to 2 million souls and laid out our expected level of needed medical supplies. So these are memos in January and February. 
On Monday, Acting Navy Secretary Modley addressed the crew of the USS Theodore Roosevelt, saying Captain Brett Cozier, too, was, quote, too naive and too stupid to be a commanding officer if he thought the letter would not leak, or he did it on purpose. On Monday, Trump lashed out at the New York Times and the Washington Post over reporting on his coronavirus response, tweeting, quote, advertising in the failing New York Times is way down. Washington Post is not much better. Trump added, quote, they are fake news sources of information to a level that few can understand, or the virus is just plain beating them up, adding, quote, fake news is bad for America. Trump also tweeted Democratic candidate Joe Biden, quote, wants a virtual convention, one where he does not have to show up. Asking what happened to the phone call, quote, he told the fake news he wanted to make to me. After this tweet, a phone call was set between Biden and Trump. It reportedly lasted 15 minutes. Biden has publicly criticized Trump's slow response for the crisis and said Trump should be taking steps and listening to experts. On Monday, the Department of Health and Human Services Inspector General Ann Maxwell issued a report based on conversations with 323 hospitals between March 23rd and 27th. So this is the first report that we're seeing from a government agency on how we're doing, how the hospitals are doing as coronavirus starts to spike in some areas. Again, 323 hospitals. The report call was called the, quote, first objective independent national look at how hospitals are faring. The report found U.S. hospitals were facing, quote, severe and, quote, widespread shortages of needed medical supplies, hampering their ability to test and respond to coronavirus adequately, as well as to protect medical staff. Hospitals were forced to make their own disinfectant from in-house chemicals and tried to source face masks from places like nail salons. They also complained of running low on toilet paper and food. Hospitals reported, quote, frequently waiting seven days or longer for test results and saying, quote, scarcity of tests and time to get the results, quote, meant presumptive positive patients greatly strained bed availabilities, supplies, and staffing. The report also found, quote, some hospitals reported that the multiple changes in guidance contributed to a greater sense of confusion, fear, and distrust amongst staff that they can rely on hospital procedures to protect them. On Monday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said the state had seen a decline for the second day in death, hospital, and ICU admissions, indicating the state's curve may be flattening and the state may have reached its apex. On Monday, California Governor Gavin Newsom said his state is loaning 500 ventilators to New York, New Jersey, and Illinois. Cuomo thanked him, saying New York has already fallen back on Plan BCD to locate equipment. Of course, last week we talked about Trump sending no ventilators to New York, New York instead getting them from China uh, and from the governor of Oregon, Kate Brown. And when Trump was asked whether New York would make it through the surge, he said, we'll find out. On Monday, the Washington Post reported U.S. grocery workers are beginning to die of the coronavirus, with major supermarket chains like Trader Joe's and Walmart reporting their first employee deaths in recent days. Some companies began installing plexiglass knees guards at cast registers and are requiring customers to stand at least six feet apart in line. Companies are also taking steps to ramp up home delivery. 
On Monday, Japanese Prime Minister Abe declared a state of emergency for one month to cover seven prefectures, including Tokyo and the city of Osaka. Japan had just 3,900 cases and 92 deaths. And、um, just a general note. Most of the countries in Trump's neighborhood, including Japan, countries and cities, Japan, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, which we've talked about,、uh, have had l- less than 200 deaths. Some have had single digit deaths.、Uh, what these countries did is they had national lockdowns, they also did mass testing right away. We have, as we close out this week, close to 20,000 deaths. None of these countries have more than 200. So, again, just shows you how unprepared we were for this and, and how these lives lost could have been saved. Could have, you know, they, these are lives we lost unnecessarily. On Monday, Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan, the nation's largest bank, said in a letter to shareholders the pandemic, quote, is only one example of the bad planning and management that have hurt our country. Diamond added, quote, As a nation, we were clearly not equipped for this global pandemic, and the consequences have been devastating. He also predicted a bad recession combined with financial stress similar to 2008. On Monday, Boris Johnson was moved to the intensive care unit in the evening after his condition worsened. Johnson asked Foreign Secretary Dominique Robb to, quote, deputize for him where necessary. So that was scary. On Monday, the Atlantic Journal Constitution reported Senator David Perdue made an unusually high number of stock buys and sells starting January 24th, the day senators got a coronavirus briefing. On the day of the briefing, Perdue made the first of 10 purchases of shares of DuPont, which produces PPE. He also, in that period, sold shares of Caesar Entertainment, a casino. On Monday at the daily briefing, Trump said, quote, We certainly want to try. And I, now, before I get into, back to it, I just have to say, for the,、uh, when, the, when, when history judges our response to this, we'll obviously judge Trump and his regime very harshly. This is the third Republican we know of that, after getting this very stark briefing, their reaction was to manage their portfolio. Not to call out Trump for not doing anything, not to get their state ready. Their reaction was to sell stocks in their portfolio. On Monday, excuse me, on Monday、uh, at the daily briefing, Trump said, quote, We certainly want to try to lift restrictions on life by April 30th, but gave no concrete answer of when, saying, quote, Tremendous progress has been made in a very short period. Asked about his call with Biden, Trump said it was a, quote, wonderful, warm conversation and, quote, very nice, saying, quote, he gave me his point of view and I fully, fully understand that, and said he could not share what was said. Asked about a handful of memos written by Navarro, Trump claimed, quote, I didn't see them, I didn't look for them. Asked about the HHS IG report we discussed here, Trump mocked. Did I hear the word inspector general? Adding, quote, it's just wrong, and berated the reporter who asked the question, saying, quote, you should say congratulations, great job, instead of being so horrid. When a second reporter, John Carl of ABC News, asked again about the backlog of testing that was found in the IG report, Trump said, quote, you're a third rate reporter, and what you just said is a disgrace, okay? Quote, you will never make it. 
Asked about the troubling rollout of the Small Business Administration's relief program, Trump berated the reporter again, saying, quote, I wish you'd ask the question differently. You're just incapable of asking a question in a positive way. Trump was also asked about the outcry over Moldley's remarks. Trump said the comments were, quote, rough and pledged to get involved. Two hours later, Defense Secretary Mark Esper demanded Maudley publicly apologize. Closing out the briefing, Trump said Democrats, quote, shouldn't be allowed to win the 2020 election after everything he has done to stop the pandemic, saying he was, quote, artificially stopped by the virus. Later Monday, Modley apologized to Crozier, his family, and the crew in a statement saying, quote, let me be clear, I do not think Captain Brett Crozier is naive or stupid. I think and always believe him to be the opposite. On Monday, the American Hospital Association said in a statement, the IG report, quote, accurately captures the crisis that hospitals and health systems, physicians and nurses on the front lines face. On Monday, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, a Democrat, issued an executive order postponing Tuesday's primary, which included the presidential primary and hundreds of local elections, until June 9th. Shortly after, the GOP-controlled state legislature challenged the order, sending it to the state Supreme Court, which ruled 4-2, split along ideological lines, to overturn the governor and hold the primary. An hour later, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled 5-4 along ideological lines that absentee ballots must be postmarked by April 7th and received by 4 p.m. on April 13th to count. Wisconsin law typically requires ballots by 8 p.m. Judge Ruth Bader Ginsburg warned the ruling will cause, quote, massive disenfranchisement, saying voters will have to brave the polls, endangering their own and other safeties, or they will lose their right to vote. On Tuesday, voters in Milwaukee were forced to choose between following public orders to stay at home, that state does have a stay-at-home order, or standing in line for hours to vote after the city closed all but five of the more than 100 polling places in Milwaukee. Two-thirds of Wisconsin's black voters live in Milwaukee. What a surprise. So that's where they were shutting down polling places. (coughs) Black Americans have been disproportionately impacted by the virus in Milwaukee, accounting for 626 of 1,387 confirmed cases and 36 of 51 deaths. On Tuesday, a poll worker wrote in an op-ed, quote, Wisconsin made me risk my life to help people vote, adding, quote, push for mail-in ballots, push for voting reform, adding, if I die, quote, you may have my permission to politicize my death. On Tuesday, ABC News reported U.S. intelligence officials warned in a November report, remember I said flag this when George Stephanopoulos of this week asked Esper about the November report and Esper kind of gave a Trump response. Oh, I don't recall seeing it. Okay, so ABC, his network is reports on Tuesday that U.S. intelligence officials warned in any November report by the military's National Center for Medical Intelligence that the coronavirus was sweeping through China's Wuhan region. The report warned The virus was quickly spreading and changing the patterns of life and business, as well as as posing a threat to the population. The report was based on wire and computer intercepts and satellite images. The report concluded, quote, it could be a cataclysmic event. 
and was reportedly briefed multiple times to the Defense Intelligence Agency, the Pentagon's Joint Chief of Staff, and the White House. The Pentagon, after not commenting on Tuesday, issued a statement Wednesday evening denying the report existed. Esper has been asked, as we mentioned by George Stephanopoulos, but obscured. On Tuesday, CNN reported that Trump fired Stephanie Grisham as White House press secretary after nine months. Grisham never held a daily press briefing. We have been now over a year. The last daily press briefing was March 11th. This is something, March 11th, 2019. This is something experts in authoritarianism warned would disappear. If you read Marcia's Gessen's article in November 2016, shortly after the election, this is one of the things she warned about, that the daily press briefing would disappear in an authoritarian regime. Uh, Trump's new chief of staff, Mark Meadows, hired Kaylee McHenry, who's, you've seen her on Twitter and Fox News, uh, just another far out there racist birther uh, who will now take over. Uh, and there's also Lisa Farah, a top spokesperson at the Pentagon, will join the press staff. On Tuesday, Reuters reported Modi is lifting India's export ban on hydrochloroquine after Trump threatened retaliation on the phone call Monday. See, we're building up all our allies, too. India had put a hold on exports due to a depleted supply. On Tuesday, Trump fired Glenn Fine, who had served as acting inspector general for the Defense Department since 2016, and was charged with overseeing how the regime spent $2 trillion coronavirus relief bill. Last week, an umbrella group of agency inspector generals had chosen Fine as chairman of the new Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, with an $80 million budget to oversee how the relief money is spent. Fine is a former DOJ inspector general and has a reputation for aggressive and independence in scrutinizing law enforcement powers. Trump abruptly fired him and named Sean O'Connell, who's the EPA's inspector general, to replace him, another loyalist. On Tuesday, Acting Navy Secretary Modley resigned. He was replaced by Acting Undersecretary of the Army James McPherson. As of Tuesday, 230 crew members of the Roosevelt tested positive. On Tuesday, House Intelligence Chair Adam Schiff accused Trump appointee uh, uh, acting Director of National Intelligence Richard Grinnell in a letter of improperly overhauling the intelligence community. Schiff said under Grinnell's management, every Senate-appointed official in the DNI's hierarchy had been removed without consulting Congress, and Trump, quote, did not nominate you for confirmation as permanent DNI. Schiff sounded an alarm about Michael Atkinson's abrupt removal and asked Grinnell whether he prevented him from completing any of his unfinished work before Trump placed him on administrative leave. On Tuesday, this is another shocking story. I mean, there's just so many in the chaos. That's why it's important we write them all down, but just what's happening here behind the scenes. The LA Times reported that while Trump, while Trump has told states to fend for themselves in getting medical equipment, the federal government has been quietly seizing coronavirus supplies across the country. Officials at hospitals and clinics in seven states say FEMA has seized medical supplies However, the Trump regime has not publicly said how it decides which supplies to seize or where they will be sent. 
Jared Kushner has said the federal government is using a data-driven approach. Officials in Florida, Massachusetts, Washington, Texas, Alaska, Oregon, and California say they have had supplies taken with no explanation. On Tuesday, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's campaign announced record fundraising for his 2020 re-election with $7.4 million raised, the most he's ever raised since his time in Washington. On Tuesday, NBC News reported the Supply Chain Resilience Task Force, a key coronavirus task force, changed with shipping and charged with shipping and distribution will work remotely after a member of the group tested positive. On Tuesday, University Hospital Center of Nice in France suspended its hydrocroxylene experimental treatment for COVID-19 patients after it became a major risk for at least one cardiac patient. The head of the cardiology department at the Pasteur Hospital of Nice said in an interview the side effects had already been identified and some patients had to stop treatment and are being monitored with EKGs. So just some perspective, these are two of the, um, this is, excuse me, these are studies that are being cited by Trump and his allies. They are now being stopped in France because patients are having cardiac issues. This is what Trump is pushing every day in his daily press briefings. On Tuesday, Dr. Michael Ackerman, a generic cardiologist at Mayo Clinic, called Trump's promoting hydrocroxylene while ignoring mm-hmm. side effects, quote, inexcusable, saying it poses a lethal risk for some patients. On Tuesday, a Reuters Ipsos poll found 72% of all adults, including 79% of Democrats and 65% of Republicans, support mail-in ballots for voting in November if the coronavirus is still a threat. That's 72% of all Americans. Also, 89% said they were concerned about the virus. Just 42% approved of Trump's handling of the outbreak, down six points from last week. The U.S. had 385,000 cases and 11,900 had died. On Tuesday, at the daily press briefing, Trump continued to push hydrocroxylene, saying, quote, you are not going to die from this pill. Adding though he, although he is not a doctor, quote, I really think it's a great thing to try. Trump continued attacking mail-in voting, despite having voted this way himself, claiming without evidence, quote, mail ballots, they cheat, people cheat. Mail ballots are a very dangerous thing for this country. Trump said of aid to the World Health Organization, quote, we're going to put a very powerful hold on it, accusing the WHO of being, quote, China-centric and slow to sound alarms about the coronavirus, saying, quote, they could have called it months earlier. Trump added, quote, they called it wrong. They really, they missed the call. This is a false claim. The WHO sounded the alarm in the earliest days of the crisis and repeatedly warned about the emergence of the virus in China. Fox News host Tucker Carlson also criticized the WHO. See these feedback loops we're in? As have numerous Republicans, including Senator Rick Scott. Last week, we talked about uh, McSally criticizing them. Rick Scott told Fox News on Monday that, quote, if they had done their job, everybody would have gotten more ready. Carlson also disparaged, quote, some members of the media for criticizing Trump on hydrocroxylene, saying, quote, it is probably the most shameful thing I, as someone who has done this for 20 years, has ever seen. That's the media criticizing Trump for promoting an unproven drug. On Tuesday, Biden told CNN he had a, quote, good call with Trump, 
saying, quote, I laid out what I thought he should be doing, four or five specific points, and adding, quote, I indicated that is about taking responsibility. On Tuesday, New York Times reported Black Americans are being infected and killed by the coronavirus at an alarming and disproportionately high rates in seven states and big cities. Longstanding inequalities make Black Americans less likely to be insured and more likely to have pre-existing conditions. Many live in neighborhoods, segregated neighborhoods, that lack good jobs and supermarkets with healthy choices. On Thursday, the Washington Post reported Black men wearing masks and bandanas, as suggested by the CDC and ordered in some states, were being profiled by police. Two men in Illinois said they were followed by police after leaving Walmart. On Tuesday, the New York Times reported that Americans are being quarantined has changed the way we use the Internet. There is a rise in use of apps and websites that allow people to connect personally and for food and for school, excuse me, for work and for school. The thirst for information on the virus has caused a huge surge in local newspaper traffic, some up 50 to 150 percent, as well as established news sources like CNBC, The Washington Post and The New York Times, while visits to partisan sites have decreased. Fox News, notably, has leveled. It hasn't seen the increase of other established news. On Wednesday, Trump tweeted, quote, Republicans should fight very hard when it comes to statewide mail-in voting. Democrats are clamoring for it, falsely claiming, quote, voter fraud, and saying, quote, it doesn't work out well for Republicans. Remember last week he slipped or didn't slip and said on on, um, Sean Hannity's show that Republicans would never win if people were allowed to vote. On Wednesday, as Singapore reported a second wave of coronavirus infections with 142 new cases, the government imposed a second lockdown. Singapore has had just six deaths so far. So again, Japan went back into lockdown. Singapore went back into lockdown. They've both been very successful in managing the coronavirus this way. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported that new research, this is another important, they're all important stories, but... Trump's whole line and this line among conservatives is New York is New York's fault. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported a new research. New research has revealed that the coronavirus started to circulate in New York City by mid-February before the first confirmed case and was brought from Europe, not Asia. The research found the hidden spread of the virus that might have been detected if detected if aggressive testing programs were put in place. Trump blamed China where he stopped flights on January 31st, while some, as we've talked about in the beginning of this, um, limited flights from China, but people were still coming from China. But New York's spread came from flights from Europe. The Trump regime initially limited testing only to people who had come from China and displayed symptoms, so they missed the quiet spread happening in New York. One doctor working on the study said, quote, it was a disaster that we did not do testing. On Wednesday, WHO director uh, gave uh, Dr. Tedros Adran Jebersis made a plea for global solidarity, warning that politicizing the pandemic was, quote, playing with fire and that disunity and blame would result in death. On Wednesday, CNN reported a committee of the National Academy of Science sent a letter to the White House saying the current coronavirus test sometimes misses positive cases. 
One study found 16 of 51 positive cases were missed. On Wednesday, a somber Governor Cuomo ordered flags in New York to be flown half-staff, announcing the deadliest day so far with 779 dead. New York continued to see a flattening in new cases, hospitalizations, and ICU ads. On Wednesday, Quinnipiac found, on handling of the coronavirus response, the highest approval went to Fauci with 78% approved, 7% disapproved. Your state governors, 74% approved, 24% disapproved. Uh, Trump is at the bottom, again, of another, with 46% approved, 51% disapproved. On Wednesday, Trump tweeted, quote, once we, quote, in capital letters, open up our great country, and it will be sooner rather than later, he said. The horror of the invisible enemy must be forgotten quickly. It's unclear what he meant because Americans are dying. I'm not sure how we're supposed to forget this. I think he wants us to forget what he hasn't done, obviously. Trump added, quote, our economy will boom in capital letters, perhaps like never before. His tweets came as the U.S. had more than 400,000 cases, which was 28% of worldwide cases, and nearly 2,000 Americans died on Tuesday. Minutes later, Trump tweeted, quote, Radical left Democrats have gone absolutely crazy that I am doing daily presidential news conferences, adding, quote, They actually want me to stop. Trump added, quote, They tried to shame the fake news media into not covering them. But that effort failed because the ratings are through the roof, adding, quote, Monday Night Football Bachelor Finale type numbers. This is, again, as 2,000 Americans are dying each day. On Wednesday, Miami Mayor Francis Suave warned South Florida is still weeks away from its coronavirus peak. Florida had more than 15,000 cases with 8,000 in southeastern Miami regions. On Wednesday, Kansas Republican leaders revoked Democrat Governor Laura Kelly's order limiting religious gatherings of 10 people as the numbers in that state passed at 1,000 cases and the toll jumped 40%. Kelly sued lawmakers on Thursday, saying Kansas' lives are on the line and, quote, I took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution. Three of the state's 12 clusters have stemmed from church gatherings. On Wednesday, AP reported the Trump regime is now considering loosening rules to allow Americans who have been exposed but have no symptoms to return to work. More than 14,000 Americans were dead. On Wednesday, NBC News reported the White House is working on a plan to cut aid to the World Health Organization as Trump tried to deflect blame for his mishandling of the crisis. The regime is looking at a timeline of the WHO response. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported three months into the coronavirus epidemic, the Trump regime still lacks a national strategy for testing, something experts say is key to slowing the spread and resuming daily life. In the absence of federal leadership, several states are developing their own test systems like New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut working together, as well as California and Utah. Testing varies widely between states. Some, like New York, using private labs have tested 1,645 per 100,000 people, while Texas has done 297 and Georgia 381. On a per capita basis, the U.S. is behind many other countries. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported that while the coronavirus was slow to spread to rural areas, now more than two-thirds of rural counties have a positive case 
with one in ten having at least one death. Doctors and elected officials are warning the virus could overwhelm rural counties that are older, sicker, and poorer than most of the country and have limited access to medical care, including beds, staff, and equipment. Several of the holdout states that have not issued stay-at-home orders, including North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, and Arkansas, have large rural populations. Some say it violates personal li uh, liberties, and that's why they're not doing stay-at-home orders. Rural doctors and nurses, however, are already calling in sick and being quarantined. The loss of 120 rural hospitals in the past decade leaves many areas defenseless while other hospitals are now in the process of closing. Rich ski towns like Sun Valley and Vail have some of the highest infection rates in the country. Indian reservations, which suffer from high poverty and adequate medical services, are confronting a huge increase in cases. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported that there are at least 1,324 coronavirus cases in U.S. prisons, including at least 32 deaths. Some state and local agencies have not released information on cases or deaths. Cook County Jail in Illinois is the country's largest known source of infections, with 328 inmates and 115 staff cases. The jail said that the figure is likely low because most of the 4,500 inmates have not been tested. The outbreak has caused authorities across the country to release inmates awaiting trial or serving time for nonviolent crimes. Inmates say there are few protections in place inside prisons, and guards do not always wear masks. On Wednesday at a daily press briefing, Trump repeated that we will be reopened, quote, sooner rather than later, adding, quote, we'll be sitting down with many different people and making a determination fairly soon. Asked again if he had been briefed on the Navarro memo, Trump said, quote, I don't remember that. I have now seen the memo. Peter sends a lot of memos. I didn't see the memo. But now, I didn't see the memo at the time. But no, I didn't see the memo at the time. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said 50,000 Americans have been brought back from 90 countries. He backed off from his attacks of China, saying, quote, this is not the time for retribution, but for clarity and transparency. Asked about leadership change at the WHO, Pompeo said, quote, this is not the time to be doing that kind of thing. There'll be a lot of time to look back and see how the World Health Organization performed. Fauci and Burks rejected an increasingly popular theory on Fox News, put forth by Tucker Carlson and Britt Hume, that the coronavirus death toll is inflated because people are dying regardless of other medical conditions. Burks noted if people have an underlying condition, it is exacerbated by the virus that causes the disease COVID-19. Fauci added, you will always have conspiracy theories when you have a very challenging public crisis. So it's good they called it out as a conspiracy theory. On Wednesday, and just general theme this week, which is like inexcusable and I, I don't know how these people live with themselves. Fox News and the conservatives have been trying to diminish the importance of the lives lost or say they're undercount, they're overcounted or whatever it is. Americans are dying. They're, and they're trying to say, oh, well, compare it to we have a higher population, so it's per capita or whatever arguments they want to make. Or they're overcounting because people that have underlying conditions are, are being classified as dying with COVID-19. That's the way it's always been done. When you die in a hurricane, if you had hypertension, you still died in the hurricane. Uh, you know, if you die in a school shooting, 
You also died in the school shooting. You did die of hypertension. So this is the way we classify deaths in this country. The stuff that the conservatives were coming up with this week and Fox News was promoting to diminish and demean the lives that we're losing was just to me utterly inexcusable. On Wednesday, former, and we have more, former Fox News host Bill O'Reilly told former colleague Sean Hannity's radio show of people dying from the virus that, quote, both here and around the world, Many were on their last leg anyway. Okay. On Wednesday, Attorney General William Barr told Fox News host Laura Ingram that coronavirus lockdown measures are draconian and should be revisited at the end of April. Barr said, quote, I think we have to allow people to adopt, adapt more and not just tell people to go home and hide under their bed. Adding he was, quote, very concerned about encroachments on freedom of religion. I mean, these guys are all, it's like this feedback loop. So he's going on Fox News saying this. Barr also said of the investigation into Russian interference of all things in the 2016 election, quote, what happened to Trump was one of the great travesties of American history. Barr added, quote, without any basis, they started this investigation of his campaign. That's, of course, a lie. And said, quote, even more concerning is a whole pattern of events while he was president to sabotage the presidency. On Wednesday, Jerry Falwell Jr., president of Liberty University, said arrest warrants were out for a freelance photographer in the New York Times and a ProPublica reporter for trespassing on campus to cover the story about them reopening the campus and bringing back students that were positive. On Thursday, AP reported one in 10 Americans have lost their job in the past three weeks. As the Department of Labor announced another 6.6 million filed for unemployment last week, bringing the total to 16.8 million Americans. On Thursday, CNN reported, according to data from the National Multifamily Housing Council, a trade association, just 69% of Americans paid this month's rent, down from 82% last April. On Thursday, the Wall Street Journal reported farmers are dumping food product. And this is another one of these stories that had me screaming inside my head because Americans are starting to starve. We are seeing, and that's another story we're going to talk about, record long lines at food banks. People don't have money. They've lost their jobs. 17 million Americans have lost their jobs or lining up on food banks. This is something the federal government is supposed to be doing. No, Trump, you can't just sit there and tweet and hold these daily press briefings that are really campaign rallies. The federal government is actually supposed to be doing something. On Thursday, the Wall Street Journal reported farmers are dumping food products as closed restaurants, hotels, and schools hurt demand. As much as 7% of all milk product produced last, last week was dumped. Sanderson Farms said demand from restaurants was down 60 to 65%, causing it to break eggs rather than to hatch them. Consumption patterns are changing, and packaging and such meant for restaurants does not work for consumers. Two major dairy industry groups sent a, quote, milk crisis plan to the Department of Agriculture this week, urging for help to purchase the milk for the nation's feeding programs or to pay farmers that cut production. On Thursday, San Antonio Express News reported a record-breaking 10,000 cars lined up at the San Antonio Food Bank. Cars started lining up before dawn for households hit by the economic effects of the coronavirus. Roughly 6,000 households pre-registered and thousands more showed up 
the food bank stayed open four extra hours and called the food bank warehouse to send in more trucks. Workers were brought to tears. On Thursday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told CNBC, quote, we could have a depression because so many people are out of work. On reopening, she said, data, 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 evidence, science, that is the answer. On Thursday, with Trump eager to reopen the economy, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin told CNBC the U.S. economy could be ready to open by the end of May, saying as soon as Trump, quote, feels comfortable. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Paul echoed the sentiment in an interview, saying, quote, we need to have a plan nationally for reopening the economy. We all want it to happen as quickly as possible. On Thursday, Fauci told the Wall Street Journal, quote, when you gradually come back, you don't jump in with both feet. And going forward, we should have, quote, compulsive hand washing and, quote, don't ever shake anyone's hand. So there's like one voice of reason, Dr. Fauci. On Thursday, Fauci told Today show that the country is enduring a, quote, very bad week. But thanks to social distancing measures, the final toll currently looks like 60,000 deaths rather than 100,000 to 200,000. The figure is based on a new prediction for the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, which predicts the U.S. death toll through early August. The projections also show deaths will peak on April 11th. Fauci cited, quote, glimmers of hope in New York, where hospitalizations, ICU admissions, and intubations are down. He said testing will be important to reopening, adding many may not have been infected and asymptomatic and not know it. On Thursday, the New York Times reported Trump's advisor and GOP allies are worried that his daily briefings have devolved to campaign rhetoric of belittling Democratic governors, attacking the media, and trafficking innuendo. Trump is effectively wagering he can win re-election amid a national crisis on a platform of polarization. Republicans and regime officials warned him to limit his error-filled appearances and focus instead on the economy. As Bernie Sanders dropped out and Biden became his opponent, Trump has mostly lost the small approval bump he got at the start of the crisis. Three polls show Biden leading. He trails governors and Fauci in polling as well. Even as a, even as a senior campaign advisor said Trump was, handling, was handing Biden ammunition, publicly obsessing Trump is unlikely to give up the appearances telling aides he loves the free television time and the ratings. Some Republicans want Trump to step back and put Fauci in charge and include a broad range of the country's leaders, including George W. Bush and Barack Obama, for an all-hands-on-deck national emergency. On Thursday, the Wall Street Journal reported Trump is weighing creating a new economic, economy-focused coronavirus task force, including Muchen, Kudlow, Ivanka, and Kevin Hassett. Another all-star cast. More task force. That's what we need. On Thursday, CNN reported that Pence's office is blocking public health officials, including Burks and Fauci, from appearing on CNN unless the network broadcasts the daily briefings, including portions with Pence and other officials. Does this sound like authoritarianism to you? Currently, CNN is broadcasting Trump and questions, which sometimes include health officials, and then cuts to checking what Trump said. Major networks have, have stopped broadcasting Trump, but have not been singled out. On Thursday, Politico reported 
that Trump's approval rating is dipping back down after a short bump with the coronavirus outbreak. Presidents typically surge in a time of crisis. Trump's rise was short and small. On Thursday, the Wall Street Journal editorial board, again, this is a conservative newspaper owned by Robert Murdoch, excoriated Trump in an op-ed titled, quote, Trump's Wasted Briefings, saying he has, quote, concluded that the briefing could be a showcase for him, perhaps a substitute for campaign rallies. They noted his outbursts against critics are, quote, notably off-key, as this is, quote, a once-in-a-century threat to American life and livelihood. The board also criticized long briefings, saying they should be no more than 45 minutes. On Thursday, Cuomo announced a breathtaking, he called it, 799 deaths, saying the pandemic has far eclipsed the horror of 9-11 and that he never thought any New Yorker would experience such mass death in a generation. Shortly after, Trump tweeted about the Wall Street Journal, quote, always forgets to mention the ratings of the White House press briefing. So again, this is right after Cuomo talks about 799 dead New Yorkers. Trump's tweeting about ratings. So he says, again, they always forget to mention that the ratings for the White House press briefings are, quote, through the roof. Monday Night Football, Bachelor Finale, calling them fake news. On Thursday, states in the South and Midwest saw a spike in cases. Illinois added 1,500 cases to 15,000 with 462 dead. Michigan saw 117 deaths and passed 1,000 total. Kansas saw 150 new cases three times the day prior. On Thursday, Florida Governor Rick DeSantis said he was mulling reopening schools in May, saying COVID-19, quote, doesn't seem to threaten kids, and added, quote, even it's for a couple of weeks, I think they would value that. I just have to stop and say Kemp and DeSantis are just, if, if I lived in those states, I would I'm, I worry about people in those states. They're genuinely dimwits. Uh, yes, you're going to send the kids to school. Even if kids aren't impacted, what happens when they get home to school? Are they just like alone orbits, these kids? They don't go home and then infect their parents and grandparents? Like, do these people not have a... Uh, I mean, like last week, Kemp said publicly he was issuing a stay-at-home order because he had learned that people that were asymptomatic could be carrying it. We've known this since January. I mean, these people are idiots and they're running states because our federal government isn't doing anything. It's crazy. On Thursday, a prestigious National Academy of Sciences committee told Trump in a letter that the coronavirus will not go away with warmer weather, as Trump has claimed. On Thursday, the New York Times reported the United States Postal Service appealed to Congress for an $89 billion rescue package, saying it could run out of cash by the end of September, with mail volume down nearly a third. Democrats have pressed to give the USPS most of what it wants, but Trump has resisted, saying the agency should solve its own problem by raising prices on packages delivered for big online retailers like Amazon. Amazon, of course, is owned by Jeff Bezos, his rival, who also owns the Washington Post. On Thursday, Bloomberg reported that Korea Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, their equivalent of the CDC, said in a statement that COVID-19 may be reactive saying 51 patients tested positive again after being cured. So again, we see from South Korea news that people are being 
positive a second time. Japan going back into a lockdown, Singapore going back to a lockdown. These are all in China's neighborhood. On Thursday, Trump's campaign took heat for an ad showing Biden with former Washington Governor Gary Locke, who is Chinese-American, claiming, quote, Biden stands up for China while China cripples America. On Thursday, GOP Governor Chris Sununu announced New Hampshire will allow voters to cast mail-in ballots in the November election if coronavirus is still a factor, a break from his previous position and with Trump. On Thursday and again Friday, Trump spoke to Russian President Vladimir Putin. There was no U.S. readout. Putin said publicly they discussed a cut in global oil production and the coronavirus outbreak. On Thursday, the Dow Jones jumped 282 points, or 1.2%, capping off the stock market's best since 1974, rallying 12.7%. The stock market was closed Friday for Good Friday. During the week, the Federal Reserve unveiled plans to inject an additional $2.3 trillion into programs aimed to get money to small businesses and to help bolster municipal finances. On Thursday, the Washington Post reported behind closed doors, Trump is pushing to reopen much of the country on May 1st, concerned about the sagging economy and its impact on his re-election prospects. On Thursday at the Daily Briefing, Trump said the U.S. was at the, quote, top of the hill, adding, quote, hopefully we're going to be opening soon. You could call it opening. Very, very soon, I hope. The briefing was Trump's 26th appearance in 27 days, appearing each evening in prime time viewership time as Americans are stuck at home. The briefings have become increasingly long and devoid of news. While Americans are tuning in desperate for information, the briefings have devolved into daily reality shows filled with dangerously inaccurate information. Trump seems to heed, seemed to heed the Wall Street Journal, however, on Thursday and kept his remarks brief. Reporters attending the briefing were tested as a precaution after a member of the press corp left Tuesday after feeling symptoms, but later tested negative. On Thursday, Fox News host Laura Ingram said, quote, after hearing all the stories where hydrocoxylene is credited with saving lives, it is amazing that the left and the medical establishment is still in total denial. On Friday, the Washington Post reported that Fox News hosts have tried to turn the hydrocoxylene controversy into a culture war part of a Roger Ailes playbook of having heroes and villains and a theme across the network. The Fox News shows this week followed that theme of emphasizing that the critics of the drug were wrong and overstating its dangers just to get at Trump. The network appeared to be in a feedback loop with Trump. On Friday, NPR reported a doctor in Texas used his GOP connections to get hydrocroxylene to give dozens of elderly patients in a nursing home diagnosed with COVID-19 in what he called a, quote, observational study. So they're like guinea pigs for him, people in a nursing home. Dr. Robin Armstrong, a prominent GOP activist, admitted it will be difficult to quantify the improvement from the drug. In some cases, he didn't discuss with families before prescribing the drug. Doctors raise ethical concerns, of course. On Friday, Trump tweeted, quote, in only four days, we have the biggest stock market increase since 1974 and, quote, great chance for a really big bounce when the invisible enemy is gone. More than 17,000 Americans were dead. 
On Friday, CNN reported that due to a surge of deaths in New York, victims who are not claimed at morgues within 14 days will be buried in New York's Heart Island. That's this week's tragic photo. The plots will be marked for future identification. On Friday, Cuomo said he signed an executive order which will allow out-of-state funeral directors to come help with the virus toll. Some funeral directors say they had run out of body bags. On Friday, Trump tweeted, quote, Nobody wants to say that if Elizabeth Warren gets out of the race before Super Tuesday, Crazy Bernie wins virtually every state in a blowout. I'm adding in his tweets in the context of how they are coming out with the news, with Americans dying, with running out of body bags, and Trump tweeting these grievances and this crazy stuff and doing nothing but tweeting and holding his daily campaign rally. On Friday, Fauci told MSNBC he expects a, quote, real degree of normality by the November elections, saying he hopes, quote, by November, we would have things under control, but we could have a real degree of normalcy by November. On Friday, at an early and hours-long debriefing on Good Friday, Trump announced he plans to approve, excuse me, appoint a council to advise him and make recommendations on how to best reopen the country. Trump said, quote, I'm going to surround myself with the greatest minds. When asked what metrics they will use to evaluate opening parts of the country, Trump pointed to his temple and said, the metrics right here. Trump said he would listen to experts, but he would decide when to reopen, claiming, quote, I've made a lot of big decisions in my life. This is by far the biggest decision. Again, this is a false claim. States have their own restrictions in place. Trump lied, saying, quote, we're in great shape in every way. Ventilators, protective clothing. We're saying that we're getting everything the governors need. We're getting very few calls from governors or anyone else needing anything. That, of course, is a lie. Trump congratulated himself on, quote, tremendous progress, adding, quote, in the midst of grief and pain, we're seeing clear signs that our aggressive strategy is saving countless lives. At this point, more than 18,600 were dead. Trump also said the coronavirus is a, quote, very brilliant enemy, adding the germ has gotten so brilliant that the antibiotics can't keep up with it. Antibiotics, of course, are for treatments, not used for treatments of viruses, and the coronavirus is a virus. Asked about racial disparity, Surgeon General Adams, who is a black man, said Americans of color should follow safety procedures for, quote, your big mama, including to, quote, avoid alcohol, tobacco, and drugs. On Friday, the WHO director warned, quote, lifting restrictions too quickly could lead to a deadly resurgence, adding, quote, the way down can be dangerous as the way up if not managed properly. On Friday, a Fox News poll found 80% of voters nationwide said they favored the federal government announcing a stay-at-home order for everyone but essential workers. We still do not have a national lockdown. On Friday, the U.S. passed 500,000 confirmed cases, 29% of all cases in the world, and more than triple the number of the next country, Spain. While Spain and Italy were seeing fewer cases, the U.S. continued a sharp increase. Shortly after, the global coronavirus death toll crossed 100,000 with more than 1.6 million cases. More than 18,000 Americans were dead, roughly 18% of the world's count and 29% of the world's cases. On Friday, Boris Johnson was taken out of the ICU as his condition stabilized. So far, 8,958 British 
people have died. They're seeing something similar to what we're seeing here. Moscow mayor announced tighter restrictions starting Monday as Russia experienced a spread of the virus there. On Friday in the early evening, the U.S. passed 500,000 corona cases with 18,664 dead. New York accounted for nearly 35% of the cases. And that's down, as we've been talking about from past weeks, where New York accounted for 50% of the cases. On Saturday, the U.S. passed Italy to have the most coronavirus deaths in the world, reaching 19,400, surpassing Italy's 18,800. There's widespread concern that lack of testing has led to a U.S. undercount. Washington Post reported the CDC only counts deaths in which the virus is confirmed in a laboratory test. There's been a lack of testing accessibility throughout the country, and questions on the accuracy of the tests both would contribute to death being undercounted. On Saturday, the New York Times reported that during January, numerous officials in the government, and this is the front page story that's uh, in the New York Times today, on Sunday, but it was came out on Saturday. The New York Times reported that in January, numerous officials in the government, including the top White House advisors, cabinet members, and intelligence agencies, sounded alarms and called for aggressive action in January. Trump in January played down the seriousness of the virus and focused on other issues. Instead of taking action, Trump focused on controlling the message and protecting gains in the economy. Trump's response post-impeachment was also colored by distrust and disdain for the deep state, the very people with long experience who could have guided him on steps needed to slow the virus and save lives. In January, the National Security Council office responsible for tracking pandemics raised the option of keeping Americans at home. That's in January. From working and shutting down a large cities, Trump waited until March to do that. Despite Trump's denial, he was told about Navarro's memos. HHS Secretary Alex Azar warned Trump on a January 30th call, the second warning in two weeks. Trump also said Azar was being alarmist. Department of Veterans Affairs Dr. Carter Meacher in a January 28th email warned, quote, the projected size of the outbreak already seems hard to believe. And quote, now I'm screaming, close to colleagues and colleges and universities. That's in January. Trump's only action in January was to limit travel to China on January 31st after internal debate and dissent by Mnuchin, who was concerned about the impact on trade, a trade deal with China. In a Capitol Hill briefing on February 5th, senators pushed regime officials to take the virus more seriously. Senator Christopher Murphy tweeted shortly after, quote, bottom line, they aren't taking this serious enough. On February 21st, Dr. Robert Kedlick, the top disaster response official at HHS, convened the Coronavirus Task Force to discuss a lockdown. That's February 21st. It took three more weeks for Trump to act and, and, and put in place. He did, never has done a national lockdown. All he's done is social distancing. Trump announced social distancing guidelines only on March 16th as markets cratered. He repeatedly considered lifting restrictions. He did not think the regime should be blamed for lack of testing, saying it was up to states. On Saturday, Trump declared Wyoming a disaster due to the coronavirus at the request of the governor, adding it to the long list of states, territories, and districts, 
All 50 states were covered by federal declarations. On Saturday, there was no public daily briefing. State Vice President convened a meeting of the task force close to the media, and Trump was not listed as it being on his daily schedule. As we closed out this week, there were 1,733,000 worldwide cases and 106,000 dead in the world. The U.S. had 506,000 cases, nearly three in 10 of the worldwide cases, 19,701 deaths, which was over 18% of worldwide deaths, and a mortality weight of 3.9%. So folks, stay at home, stay safe, uh, share what is true news, stay informed, and um, keep your neighbors informed. And if you have the time, send a letter a day with a kind note to somebody that you care about in this world. Our post office needs the traffic and our, your fellow Americans need your well wishes. Stay safe.